Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. There was this girl named Natalie, and she just loved kids. And she loved babysitting for kids. And she was good at it, too. She loved kids of all ages, but she especially loved little newborns. There was something about holding new life in her arms that made her feel good. Now, her congregation knew this about her. And so if, if they had a need for a babysitter, they knew to call Natalie right away. Well, there just so happened to be this couple in the congregation that recently had a baby. He was two or three months old at the time. And being their first baby, they, they spent every moment with him. So after two or three months, you parents out there know you, you probably need a date night, right? You need some time away. So they knew who to call. They called Natalie up, and of course she was excited to come and, and babysit for them. So she shows up, and the parents go off on their date, and everything is going great. That little baby boy is asleep in his crib for an hour and a half. He slept. Until he woke up and started cr- screaming, just bawling. He was so upset. But Natalie, she was a professional, right? She knew how to babysit. And so she knew what to check for. So she figured, oh, he must need a, a diaper change. So she checks his diaper, but, but it's clean. So, okay, he must be hungry. I'm going to go grab his bottle and see if, if that's what he wants. He wouldn't take the bottle. So he must just still be tired. I don't know how after an hour and a half nap he could be tired, but he probably still is. So she picks him up, rocks him back and forth, and and sings him every lullaby that she knows. But nothing is working. (laughs) She can't get this baby to stop crying, and 45 minutes pass until mom and dad come home. And mom hears her baby crying, and she goes back to the back room and picks up her baby, rocks him maybe two or three times, and he stopped crying. (laughs) Natalie was disappointed. She thought she was good at this. And the mom could tell. So the mom looked at Natalie and said, sometimes you just need your mother. It's true, isn't it? There's a peace that a mother gives that no other person can. I, I think about that in my life too. There's a piece that my mom gives me that no one else can give me. That piece that a mom can give is phenomenal. And I would dare to say that for a lot of you, you have felt that peace at one time in your life. Or maybe you've been the one that has given that peace to your child. The peace that a mother gives is phenomenal. But as phenomenal as that peace is, there is a peace that surpasses the peace that a mother gives. In fact, there is a peace that surpasses all of our understanding. And that is the peace that Jesus gives. Perhaps one of the clearest pictures of Jesus' peace is in our story for today. A man named Stephen. Now, Stephen was a leader in the early Christian church. 
and he was a very caring man. <laughs> he cared for the, the poor and the widows of the time. He made sure that they had everything that they needed, and he was good at what he did. So good that he became known among the community to the Christians, but also to the people who opposed the Christians. The Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin, they didn't like Stephen because of what he was doing for Christ. So they plotted to get rid of him. They made up some charges against him and brought him to trial and made him stand up and give his testimony before the people. So Acts chapter 7, if you have some time today, read Acts chapter 7. Uh, It's a long chapter, and most of the chapter is Stephen, starting at the time of Abraham, recounting Israel's history. All these things that the Sanhedrin would actually agree with. They would agree with what Stephen's saying. Until, until he said this. Stephen says, You stiff-necked people! Your hearts and your ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors didn't persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now, you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. How do you think they took that? You stiff-necked people. They were furious with what Stephen was saying. This man is standing on trial, and he's not pleading for his life. He's rebuking the Sanhedrin. They were mad, and that's what brings us to our section for today. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. It's a pretty intense scene, isn't it? These people picking up stones and hurling them at a man until he died. You can almost picture the angry look on their faces as they gnashed their teeth at him, as they yelled, covering their ears, rushing at him, dragging him out of the city. With each stone that they picked up, you can feel the rage being released all on Stephen. It's a scene that is anything but peaceful. Yet, in this scene, there is still a peace that runs through the story. It's a peace that defies what is natural to us. Because here's what would have been natural. It would have been natural if we saw Stephen shouting insults back at the people who are trying to kill him, shouting profanities at them. It would have been natural if, Stephen, if we saw Stephen cowering in fear 
begging for his life, but we don't see any of that here. Instead, we see Stephen peaceful even in the face of death. So the question is, where did he get that peace? Because we want that peace. We hate chaos. We despise when we are at war with other people and we avoid conflict. And those are all external things, right? Those are all things that are happening around us or something that happens to us from from the outside. That's not even the biggest problem, is it? Because even if there were zero wars, even if there were zero disagreements, zero fights, the world would still not know peace. True peace only comes from where Stephen found his peace. And that's the peace that everyone desires. Stephen knew Jesus. He knew Jesus as his Savior, who who put his warring heart at peace, who, who didn't just take care of the externals, right? He took care of the internals. He gave us true internal peace. That's where Stephen found his peace. Why could Stephen feel peaceful even in the face of death? Because Jesus had already done the biggest thing for him. Jesus had died and and washed Stephen in his own blood, so Stephen was clean. That's not unattainable peace. In fact, you have that peace. Jesus died for you on the cross. When he was on the cross, he was thinking of you. He was raised to life to give you eternal life. Your eternal salvation is locked with Jesus. That's a sure thing. And that gives you peace that no matter what happens, in your life, no matter what anyone does to you in your life, you have peace. And, and this goes on. Stephen was given a special grace that, that sometimes we're not, that we aren't given. But it says this in verse 55 and 56. He says, But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven, saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Stephen says, Look! I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. (laughs) Wouldn't that be awesome? That in your hour of need, you see heaven open. You see God the Father. You see Jesus. And you see where you're, you're going. Someday if you're on your deathbed, wouldn't that be awesome to have that comfort of seeing that even before you died. But before we go wishing for, for more, before we go wishing for exactly what Stephen had, let's take a look at what we have because he has given us so much. He has given us all of his promises, which are at our fingertips whenever and wherever we want them. So when we're facing trouble, when we're facing even death, Open your Bible to John 14 and hear that Jesus has opened heaven to you. He's gone to prepare a place for you. 
and that he is the way and the truth and the life. Open your Bible to Isaiah 25 and hear that death has been swallowed up in victory. Or Ephesians 1, where he says, I have redeemed you. I have bought you back from the devil. I am your redeemer. So you can say like Job did in Job 19, I know that my redeemer lives. And that in the end, he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. That heart of peace. That peace that God gives. That's God's peace. That gives you peace in any situation and even in the face of death. Because God's peace is more than just momentary peace. God's peace is a pervasive peace. It's not the feeling of peace. A feeling is here today, gone tomorrow. Feelings change. The peace of God is a state of being. It's that you know that your eternal salvation is locked with Jesus. No one and nothing is going to change that. They can kill your body, but they can't kill your soul. That's what makes Christians the most noticeably different people than anybody else on this earth. Here's kind of an example for you, I guess. It's not a specific example, um, but some of you know that my, my dad is a funeral director. And so he has dealt with many, many people and been at many, many funerals with different beliefs and some that have no belief at all. And there is a difference. There is a difference between an unbeliever standing in front of a casket and a believer. The unbeliever stands in front of the casket confused, empty. And they're confronted with their own death and, and they feel fear and uncertainty. There's a difference. God has given you his peace so that you can stand in front of a casket, sad, that you're going to miss that person, but with a quiet, peaceful confidence that you will see that person again in heaven. That because Jesus died and because Jesus was raised from the dead, there will be a reunion. That's the peace of Christ. God doesn't want you to feel empty, so he's given you his peace. A little more than a year ago, way back in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, it was, I think it was February or January, it was really cold, whatever it was. And my now wife, Christina, she was coming from Madison to visit me. We went to church together on Sunday morning, and then we wanted to go out to breakfast afterwards, so we went to Denny's. Our hostess sat us down, our waitress brought us our menus and said, I'll be back in a second, I just got to take care of this group over here. So she leaves us and goes to the booth that's diagonal from us. And not two or three seconds later, we just hear this shouting. These people in this booth were just berating this waitress for some little mistake that she made. Have you seen something like that before? It kind of makes you feel uncomfortable, doesn't it? She didn't deserve what she was receiving from them. They were being harsh and mean. 
And she was trying to serve them, but they weren't making it easy for her to serve them. I don't have to come up with too many examples for you to probably agree with me that sometimes people are hard (laughs) to serve. They're hard to care about. They don't make it easy on you. When I was driving the other day, I I was trying to get onto the the freeway, and no one would let me in, and I had to exit right after that. It made made it hard for me to care for those people in those cars there. Or, Or if someone's talking behind your back, or if someone doesn't respect you, it makes it hard for you to care for them. Because our way of thinking is, if they don't care for me, then why should I care for them? Think about that in connection to the story of Stephen. This angry mob was gnashing their teeth at him, shouting at him, dragging him, out of the city and stoning him. They all wanted him dead. (laughs) They weren't giving him any reason to care for them. Yet, Stephen did. It kind of reminds you of Jesus, even. As Jesus is hanging on the cross, he's being spit at, he's being insulted, he's watching his clothes be divided up among people. Yet, what did he say? Father, forgive them. For they know not what they are doing. Jesus had peace and love to look through that hostile soul and to care for it. Stephen had the same thing. He said, Look, or he said, Lord, do not hold their sin against them. Stephen had peace to look through their hostility and care for that hostile soul. It came from something that Stephen understood. Two things, actually, that Stephen understood. He, the first thing he understood is he understood how great of a sinner he was. He understood that he had a hostile heart. That if left to his own devices, he would rebel against God. That every act that he would ever do would be a rebellion against the Almighty God. He knew that. That he was just as hostile as those men throwing stones at him. But he also knew God's grace. He knew that gift, and he he knew how precious that gift was. It, It was so precious to Stephen that he even wanted to share it with the people that were stoning him. He prayed for them. He said, don't hold their sin against them. Let them be forgiven. Let them feel your grace. The most remarkable, one of the most remarkable parts of this story, and there's a lot of things in this story, but one of them is just that, that small little verse that says, they laid their cloaks at the feet of a man named Saul. Saul was this ringleader. He was the one that was in, kind of in charge of persecuting guys like Stephen. And them laying their cloaks at Saul's feet was their way of saying, we're honoring you, Saul, because you just killed this man. So when Stephen said, Lord, do not hold this sin against them, he was praying for all of those people there, including Saul. Saul came to know God's grace. Saul became one of the greatest evangelists this world has ever seen. He wrote 13 books of the Bible. 
Saul became the Apostle Paul. So what's the point? The point is, God's grace changes you. It it changed Stephen to feel peace in the face of death. To feel peace, to look through a hostile soul, or look through a hostile person to care for their soul. That grace changed Saul to the Apostle Paul, and that grace changes you. God is working on you. He is forming you into the image of his Son. And the thing is, his forming you will make you look like him. Which means your life will be a lot like Jesus's. You notice the similarities between Stephen's life and Jesus' life. There will be similarities in your life to Jesus' life. You will be rejected. There will be people out there that don't understand why you believe what you believe. You will suffer and you may even die for your faith. But God says you are not alone. I am with you. You have my peace and I'm doing all of this to make you into the image of my son because I want you to grow. When you think about the opposition, I I can't help but think about door-to-door evangelism if you've ever done that before. Have you ever knocked on doors and tried to engage a person in a conversation about Jesus? Or try to lead the conversation that way anyways? Maybe just me bringing that up gives you social anxiety. It's intimidating. Walking up to a door, knocking on it, not knowing who is behind that door. A 50-year-old guy might come to the door with 50 years of experiences that I know nothing about. He may be mean to me. He may reject me instantly, chase me off his porch, sick his dog on me. So why even go in the first place. Why go through that trouble of sharing Jesus? Because no matter what their story is, no matter what I think that they need or what I think they might do to me, that person behind that door or that person that you're thinking about at work needs Jesus. They need that peace and they deeply desire that peace whether they know it or not. And you can tell them. It's having the peace and holding on to the Jesus peace so much that you can look at that person and care for their soul even if they're hostile to you. That's the peace of God. I was thinking about times when my mom made me feel peace. Um, one really stuck out to me. I was, I think I was six or seven. Some, whatever age you go to stay, stay the night at somebody's house for the first time, I was around that age. And I think this might have been the first time I went over to, to stay at a friend's house. So I, my mom took me over to my friend's house, and we played all afternoon up until the time we had to go to bed and climbed in our sleeping bags and, and turned off the lights to go to bed. And I'm sure my friend fell asleep like that. But I laid there for a half hour, couldn't fall asleep, hour, hour and a half. I was so uncomfortable. I was in a strange house. I was scared. And I didn't really know what to do. 
I wanted to go home. So late in the night, I got up. I went and woke my friend's parents up and said, can you call my mom? And, you know, you can picture a kid crying. That's what I was doing. Um, and she did. She got up and she came and she picked me up and brought me home. And as I'm riding in that car, I felt peace. I was with my mom. I was heading home. What more could you want, right? When you feel anxiety, when you feel fear, when you're having a hard time going through pain in this world, reach out. Reach out to Jesus because He cares for you. Reach out to Him in His Word because He's given you promises and He's promised to be with you. Pray to Him. Don't be embarrassed that you need Jesus because you do. You need Him so badly. Even more than you need a mother, you need Jesus. Don't be ashamed to reach out to him in his word. Because in his word, he has promised you. Philippians 4 says that if you pray to him and you lay your requests at his feet, a peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. He will give you a peace that guards you. That's the peace that God gives. As I'm riding home in the car with my mom, I felt peace. I want you to feel that peace as you're riding through life. That Jesus is right there with you. That Jesus has taken care of the biggest thing for you. Stay in the Word. Stay active in your prayer life. And in your time of need, you will have what you need. Amen.